It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. My name is Don Crawford Jr., and I welcome you once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, gladly striving to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my attorney, my co-host, my good friend, and I mean that. I don't use that as a cliche when many others in radio might do that. My good friend, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Appreciate your time today and the ensuing education you're going to provide our listeners, and it's not about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, it's about <laughs> estate planning, and that's what we have to discuss today, although you have a lot to say about the Cowboys, don't you? <laughs> well, he might need a lot of estate planning based on his contract. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I get. I hope these days he does have uh, that kind of assistance. I have a, a, my um, stepson's friend who plays for the University of Houston. He's a linebacker, and he's going into the, the draft in April, and he hopes to get drafted, and I was talking to him at a wedding last week about that and his wife and how important it is to diversify when you finally make that big money. And I kept telling her, diversify, diversify, spread out your investments so that if you get burned somewhere, you have still all the other investments to rely on if someone someone or something goes bad. And I'm sure you wouldn't disagree. Yeah, actually, it's really funny that you mentioned that because um, I had uh, a client this last week and the two Actually, a niece and nephew didn't get along, mm-hmm. uh, and there are two inherit aunts. Um, aunt has a multi-million dollar, uh, I say estate. She's still alive, mm-hmm. but there's, and she but she's really can't handle things anymore. And one of the things we put in the financial power of attorney, which was unusual, was that she had to the the one that was named was the agent. Uh, we put in a provision that she had to follow the Uniform Prudent uh, Investors Act, uh, and so she had to follow the guidelines, which means the diversity that you're talking about, uh, do due diligence in their investing, et cetera. We even put down that they had to put a had to uh, meet with a certified financial uh, advisor or planner uh, on an annual basis and report to the other agent, I mean, other people who are even alternate agents right. upon demand as well as the principal. So the the idea was that we wanted the fiduciary, the agent, whether it's an agent or a trustee of a trust or perhaps even an executor, but the ability to be forced to do the right thing to comply with uh, uh, to try to do the right thing as far as investing and being responsible in dealing with the assets. They may have been responsible anyway, but right. we, put a spe- we put a special provision in there uh, just to kind of, which kind of gets to your point. So it's kind of funny you should mention that. Yeah, and you know, I did discuss this before the program, so I, I love hearing about that. And man, there are just so many bad guys out there. You can't be too protective 
and safe with your decision making and the action that you take. And that's why we have people like Michael Cohen doing a program like this to guard and protect your estate planning. And when it comes to government assistance, medical, uh, Medicaid or Medicare benefits, Social Security, you name it, he's an authority on the matter, if I could use the word. And that's why we've been doing this program for this many years now. What, what, how many years now, Mike? Six, seven? You know, I tell people I'm an elder, elder law attorney, so at my mm. age, I'll probably have a senior moment. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, time seems to fly by, uh, you know, so I don't know the exact amount. But it probably has been a good six, seven or, or more years. Great. And I've enjoyed them significantly. And I think I took over after the first year and I have learned so much from you, thankfully. And one thing that um, you could do to learn more from Michael is to attend his next workshop and just mark that date down. It's a free online workshop via Zoom. So you never have to leave your house. That's Saturday, March the 20th at 10 o'clock. So just pencil that in, write that down, type it in on your cell phone and attend that. And we'll talk more about that shortly. But on the, in the first segment today, Michael, we want to address a very specific topic, and that is how to avoid a credit card surprise when a spouse dies. And that is consumers need to know the difference between having a joint credit card account and being an authorized user. And you want to talk a little bit about the pitfalls and what should be done there. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what your goals are, because remember, there's different ways to set up credit cards. Sometimes you have a, you're a primary uh, account holder, and you might have somebody else that's like a, just an authorized user. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in my household, I am the earner, and my wife is a stay-at-home wife. Uh, and so, uh, so you know, they maybe they wouldn't, perhaps, uh, although she worked before we had uh, children. Uh, the it could be that they uh, may not rely upon as much credit as the primary uh, person. So you know, sometimes people have primary accounts, and but it doesn't build up the credit. You know, typically uh, I have a uh, a daughter who's just finishing up her you know college uh, career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have her as an authorized user. Uh, you could say up to a certain dollar limits uh, to build up credit or something. Sometimes they'll report that. Sometimes they won't. So there's sometimes there's primary account holders, and uh, the way you set up a uh, an account, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's joint uh, accounts. Uh, and if you have a joint account, then if there's joint ownership, that also means joint liability. Mm-hmm. So if, let's say uh, I had a lot of debt, and that um, you know, my that means my wife would be responsible for that debt if I should die. If she was a joint owner, it may not be the case. On the if she was uh, just an authorized user, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, that means that she might not have built up her credit because she was only an authorized user and not a joint account holder. I see. Interesting. And does that mean then that when it comes to um, basically both parties having charging privileges, the primary card holder is the one solely liable for the card's yeah. debt? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Whereas if it's a joint. Either party is liable, so there's some good and there's some bad. So it depends. So I guess the so I guess you have to decide what is it that you want. Mm-hmm. What's it best for you? Is it better to build up credit? So on my, you know, my daughter's going through finishing up college. I said, okay, we just in fact just recently we said, okay, 
now it's time for you. We could have been doing this, by the way, earlier. A lot of times people um, start building up when somebody's even in high school uh, to give them a credit card to start building up the credit. I remember I, I started laughing because I was thinking when when my daughter, you know, people try to sell credit cards all the time, and they had when my daughter was two or three years old, somebody tried, you know, one of these credit card companies said, "May we?" my daughter's name is Wendy, and they said, uh, is Wendy there? My wife answered the phone, and, uh, you know, Wendy was three years old, and they said, we're, we're representing X credit card company. We'd like her to consider having a credit card with us, and she said, okay. My wife said, uh, okay, we'll put Wendy on the phone, and so my two- or three-year-old daughter at the time said, Hello, is this Grandma? Uh, <laughs> 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 so, uh, that's so be funny. careful. <laughs> we could have started building up credit when she was two or three years old, but I guess right. that probably wouldn't have been a good thing. Even the yeah. credit card company, after they called, they uh, no, yes. no, they wouldn't know. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so I've also learned um, that though many financial institutions have moved away from offering these joint accounts because designating one party legally responsible for the debt makes the effort easier for the card companies if they have to take legal action to collect that money. Does that sound right to you? That probably is correct. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, it probably is cor- correct. It seems like nowadays, I know that personally, they, on um, seems like on a lot of different accounts, they always make me the primary or if they yeah. always suggest that we be the primary. So what you're saying makes perfect sense that that's probably more getting to be more of a norm but like i said there's several different ways to set up the account it could be a primary account mm-hmm. and an authorized user it could be a primary account authorized user with certain limits uh, it could be the same limits it could be a joint you know it's just mm-hmm. uh, whatever whatever you know which way you want to do it and i guess that's something you should consider before you uh, open up a credit card and there is a list of things people should do. And as we talked about at the beginning of the segment, what if a spouse dies? And my understanding is that one of the first things you do is notify the credit card company that that person has died so those reoccurring charges don't continue. Yeah, and I remember, too, I don't know if you remember, we did, I don't think, when we did a show on some of the common things, we actually did two shows last year because there were so many different things that you have to do when somebody dies. Yeah. You know, we wrote a list on, on yes. our website, website that had about, oh, I don't, I think it was close to 60 different things that you did, no, 47 things to do mm-hmm. when somebody dies, mm-hmm. including the credit card was one of them, and actually even the credit reporting agencies, because there's so many different, I hate to say there's so many people out there trying to scam and in fact, um, uh, while I was on this phone call, I even got something that notified me that somebody was uh, trying to get into my computer. Uh, wow! Yeah, and last week uh, somebody tried to ransom us, uh, but luckily we saved everything. So it just the way people try to do anything nowadays. Whether mm-hmm. when they see somebody die, they try to take advantage of their credit. So mm-hmm. you might have to report to the credit. You know, there's three major credit reporting agencies to mm-hmm. check on that. It just, it, I wish, uh, I, I hate to say that there's these. I don't want to be prejudicial, but there's these Russian hackers and or other countries and, sure. and we just don't. Uh, we can't. Nothing safe, safe or sacred anymore. I wish I could say that that was not the case, yeah. but that's the world we live in today. It looks like. It is sad. And in other words, 
what you need to do is understand that there is a potentially high risk of identity fraud, which is what Michael is saying, and he, he's doing everything he can to make certain his information, his intellectual property, uh, or his identity itself is not stolen. And everybody's a sitting duck these days. I know somebody close to my family who it blows me away, but there was that those scams, as you called it, uh, where they were in somewhere in Africa or some Kenya, Nigeria, somewhere where they needed to borrow some money and or they you won the lottery. And if you pay this amount of money, then you'll get 100 times that. So send us $8,000 and you'll get $8 million. And of course, it was a total fraud. And they kept sending, well, we need more, well, we need more. And when the smoke cleared, I think they sent $100,000 and never saw a penny back. And so they're out there. You can't be too careful. And to be sure um, that your assets are protected, we once again admonish you to attend Michael's next workshop. That's online. It's via Zoom. It's really simple. And it's something every listener of this program should do because it's free. And it's just uh, one morning or afternoon out of your uh, lifetime for about two hours that allows you to ask questions about your individual circumstances and listen to others. And you walk out of there, walk out of there or, or get up from your couch, basically uh, much more informed about estate planning or government assistance. And the next one is Saturday, March the 20th at 10 o'clock. And Mike, can you amplify about those workshops? Well, yeah, sure. First of all, although we talking about credit cards today. Nobody's ever asked about a credit card at any okay. of the workshops, but hmm. mostly people ask about estate planning or Medicaid, or veterans benefits on how everything kind of comes together. Do you need a will? Do you need a trust? Do you need a power of attorney? What type of trust? There's all sorts of different things. What about if I need governmental assistance, like you mentioned, to help pay for, uh, let's say, a nursing home or if you're mm -hmm. somebody's disabled. These are kind of common questions that are asked, but we never know what questions that people are going to ask. And we and that's how we start off the workshop. We say, what do you want to know? Uh, and it could be any of things. And, and we never know, again, uh, what it will be something about the new federal law, the American Rescue Act. Mm -hmm. uh, will there be something about uh, coronavirus, you know, and the CARES Act? Or will it be about last year it was the SECURE Act with retirement accounts? Or could it be just what's gonna, what is the Texas government going to do? Is there, are there going to be any special protections for seniors? We don't know what people are going to be asking, but we do know this, that it, you'll will learn something when you go to the workshop, whether it's something basic about estate planning or something that's more sophisticated about planning, you're going to not only learn your own questions, uh, answers to your own questions, but you're going to answer, see the answers to questions that others may, may trigger thoughts for you on what you could do for yourself. To, uh, to attend the workshop, the free two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, which, as you mentioned, the next one being on March 20th at 10 a.m., which is a Saturday, all you have to do is call 214 720-0102, that's 214-720-0102, or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Excellent. Thank you for that. And again, it's, it's a quick Zoom call. It's a virtual workshop. There's nothing in person. There's no driving. There's no traffic. There's none of that, which is excellent. Um, and uh, it's free. So sign up today for that workshop. And if 
if there's uh, not enough seats, uh, virtual seats, then you can just roll over to the next one, which is usually during the week, a Tuesday or a Thursday, depending. And uh, Michael and his trusty assistant, Jennifer, or Donji or someone else, can guide you the way in terms of um, what you should do uh, by attending the next workshop after Saturday, March the 20th. I want to mention one other thing. Yes, uh, uh, if you do go to the free estate planning essentials mm-hmm. workshop, yeah. we also give a free one-hour vision meeting. We call it a vision meeting where we'll go over your own individual situation also without charge. So that's three free hours of estate planning knowledge uh, that is without any kind of obligation. Great. Glad to be of assistance there. Do it. Nothing compares. You can't find this online. You can't go to Zoom or deed claim, whatever it's called, or claimdeed.com, whatever the site is, you just can't. So uh, trust me when I tell you to do this and uh, go to the next workshop. Michael, uh, we got about eight minutes left for the rest of the program. Quick question for you. What if the queen lived in Texas? <laughs> would we have, does that mean Oprah Winfrey would come to Texas? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That, that would be pretty interesting, to say the least. But uh, to elaborate, we know what happened recently regarding Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and the mess that's going on there, and it's the top of the news. And um, you and I were talking before the program, and you said, you know, it's pretty interesting. What if the Queen did really live in Texas, and what would that mean? So can you elaborate on that for us? Well, I mean, you know, you think about a lot of different things that came out of that program, uh, you know, that that Harry inherited, has been living off the inheritance of Princess Di, which I think he he got like, oh, let's say, Let's say thirteen million dollars. Wow! I think he actually he got about nineteen million from the Queen Mother when she died. Goodness. So, she, so uh, I think he's got an estate about fifty million. Right. Uh, but so it's not like uh, he's living off poverty row. Uh, no. So a lot of people can't really relate to uh, the fantasy land of a former prince. I guess yeah. he I guess he's he, maybe he's an artist formerly known as Prince. I'm not really <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> I also, you know, it's funny, just kidding aside parenthetically, I wonder if he would have done what he did, said what he said, if his mother were still alive. I I hate to put that pressure on him or throw that hypothetical out there, but I wonder if things would have been different if she still if she survived that crash. I don't know. I think, I think you know, we all are affected by the events that uh, helps that shapes your life. I mean, she yeah. was chased by the paparazzi, and that's part of the reason why he saw what she went through, and he didn't want to go through that yeah. if he could avoid it. And so uh, I think that's part of the decision. But it was interesting. I, I read where, you know, uh, she had left things to him in a trust mm-hmm. uh, where he would not get things until he was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same type of thing that many people in just even simple estate planning have in either their wills or their trust that say, oh, you're, a kid's not mature enough until they're 25 or 30 years old that will keep things for their health or education or maintenance and support. But until that time where they have a chance to mature, that they don't get that fund. So that's so her planning was something that's very similar to what we do here, even with people who don't have that large estate. And it did make me think, too, when we just mentioned the about the Queen Mother, uh, if it were in Texas, that, you know, when you have a large estate, as he does, uh, in, at least in the United States, there's a called a generation-skipping transfer tax. Mm-hmm. And so, the, so there are what we call generation-skipping transfer trust 
that people have in their wills or trusts wow. so that you could pass, in this case, $11.7 million without taxation at the present time, which is the equivalent of the estate tax limit. So, And then it also made me think about the fact that, you know, Meghan Markle may be a, a uh, Texas um, excuse me, not Texas. Let's say she's a U.S. resident, but is married to somebody who is not a U.S. resident. Yes. So there's another type of trust called a qualified domestic trust, where you could get the marital deduction when a one spouse is not a U.S. citizen. And so it makes me think about all these different types of trust that could be, you know, of course, with in a large estate, a lot of times people do all sorts of different planning to reduce the size of their state. Now, I don't know that the royals have to worry about that, but if they were a U.S. citizen, of course, they wouldn't be a king or queen if they were. Although I wonder, some of our uh, elected officials have always seemed to be feel like they're the king. <laughs> you know, you know, they used to they used to have an expression that if you bring a horse to water, you couldn't make uh, make them drink. But right. I think the real expression is you could vote a congressman to Washington, but you can't make them think. Perfect. Very good. I like that. I'm going to use that. That's perfectly applied. Um, you know, I'm glad there are these options. I don't think the Queen's going to move to Austin anytime soon, but at least there are ways and means to skin the cat and, and make certain that the estate can be protected. But it's good for the audience to know about this because there are other options, and those apply to American citizens. Yeah, I mean, another thing is, let's say that the Queen was concerned about uh, Meghan Markle, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe whoever, maybe Prince Charles, mm-hmm. and maybe he said, you know what, I'm going to give something uh, to Harry, but I don't want things to go to Meghan. Uh, maybe I would want it to go to Archie or whoever the uh, the next generation might be. Right. Well, uh, if, if, if Harry should die, well, he could put things in a trust for uh, whereby that uh, Harry gets things, can have access, or somebody could give access to Harry, some of the funds in that trust, and depending on the way the language of the trust is, and then upon Harry's death, the money going to him that he had inherited from Charles, mm-hmm. instead of it going to Megan, would go to the next generation. So you see, you could do all the different protections, and when you think about all the things that, you know, uh, that happen in that uh, Oprah Winfrey uh, interview, uh, with uh, it, it makes you think. Okay, well, you could do an underage trust until they're mature. You could have a generation skipping transfer trust. Oh, maybe there's a qualified domestic trust. Maybe we protect on the uh, child from uh, child being hairy. Uh, if their marriage wasn't, we don't want things to go to the spouse for whatever reason. And so, and you know, so there's all these different types of things that, not to mention on on their case, of course, there's the tax planning issues because the large of a large estate on what you could do. Uh, so there's from an estate planning essentials uh, viewpoint. Uh, you know, when I hear the interview, I, I start thinking about all these other things for some reason, and I don't know why. Probably shouldn't when it's royals, and most people are not loyal, although they may be king of their own household. Uh, it may have it, it may have taken, uh, I guess, probably to, to do the planning for them may have cost a king's ransom. Uh, I don't know. But. Right. That's interesting. I, I guess um, we've said this so many times we're paying for the sins of our predecessors. And when you mentioned that generation skipping transfer trust concept and option, I I love that. 
Um, and many times, you know, you've used the phrase no good son-in-law. This might be a no good daughter-in-law situation with the queen and um, who Harry is married. I don't, I don't really know. But it, 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 I think what you're saying is that this is sometimes yours to lose. You can inherit this, but um, if you do the wrong thing, I am going to skip it. And I'm going to use that skipping generation trust approach to it um, because the new person, the the baby, I think your name is, he said his name was Archie. He's done nothing to upset or burn me. So therefore he'll get everything and you get nothing. And I guess that's an option for the queen. Yeah. And, uh, or what, I mean, I don't know what they, what the laws are in England, but if yeah. they were here, you know, there are different things. I imagine uh, that there are a lot of things that are similar there that they are here, but of course yeah. uh, every, every country is different, but mm. yeah, but, it, but we know that, that what princess Di did uh, was have a trust for the benefit of Harry till he's 30, and that's something that we do all the time. Right. Fascinating. It really is. Well, it, it's still complicated. It, it's, um, you know, uh, it's gossipy almost what we're talking about right now, but it still applies because there are similar laws, as Michael said, similar circumstances, and there's much to be learned. And Michael knows this so well. He doesn't read anything, never has. He, he's, it all comes from his head, and he follows this. And he's smart because he internalizes and well, what does this interview mean? What are this what does it mean when they say these things to Oprah Winfrey? And he's saying that not because he's interested in any human interest stories, he's interested because this is what he does for a living and he's asking himself how will this affect his existing clients and potential clients? And you should be one of those. And to be one, attend his next workshop, which is virtual, which is online, and which is Saturday, March the twentieth at 10 o'clock, and you simply sign up by dialing 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, elderlawyer.com, dallaselderlawyer.com, or just Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Dallas attorney, and you'll find him and it, and then you can go to his website and sign up for his, his newsletter, Sign up for the podcast of this program because this is all archived. So you can always listen to a previous show, including this one, and you'll be as current as anyone. So uh, do that. Sign up today again, Saturday, March the 20th at 10 o'clock. And Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today.